I was 19 years old when I first went to America, okay? And I had just come back to God. I'd had a real sort of God encounter, met with God, restored my walk with God. And I was at a time where I was trying to work out what did I want to do. All my applications to university had got lost in the post, as they do. And I'd applied for other things. They had got lost in the post. So I decided I'm going to take the summer and go to America. My brother lived in Chicago with his wife. And so I flew out, to, first of all, to Chicago and met them and had three weeks where we kind of explored a bit more Chicago. And then we followed the Mississippi down to New Orleans and had this amazing time. I remember walking around Graceland's uh, to Memphis, the Elvis Presley place, me and my brother and my sister-in-law were the only ones who didn't look like Elvis who went round it. And it is amazing because Elvis, to be honest, in his teens and 20s, he looked quite good, but none of them designed themselves on that one. They all go for the fat Elvis. That was the one they all wanted to have. So there are lots of jumpsuits walking around Graceland's, which was kind of bizarre. But the whole trip... My brother and my sister-in-law kept saying, actually, Andrew, when you go to Manhattan, it's amazing. Because suddenly you'll see things that you really know really well, but you'll see them for yourself. And it is extraordinary. When you see that for yourself for the first time ever, it's extraordinary. And so I flew back to the UK because I was working for a company called Camp Counselors. Now, to be fair, in 1989, sitting at Heathrow Airport with a T-shirt saying, Hi, I'm a camp counsellor, was one of my more embarrassing moments of my life as everyone was prancing around me, waving at me. He was like, Hi, I'm a camp counsellor. I flew into America. We arrived in JFK, met by this guy. He said, Hi, what's your name? I said, My name's Andrew. And he had the weirdest response ever. He says, I don't know any Andrews. Can I call you Andy? So I said, Yeah, OK, you can call me Andy. He says, Actually, I don't know any Andys. Can I call you Randy? I said, No. I am not going to be Randy the camp counsellor, right? We're just not going to go there. So no. And then we were taken to the subway. We got on the subway. We went on the subway into the centre of Manhattan where we got out from the subway and went into where we were staying, which was a university canvas, and we went to bed that night. Next morning, we came down. We were brought into a lecture theatre that had no windows. We sat in the lecture theatre. We had a whole lecture of how to behave, some of the training ready for what we were doing. We were there all day. That evening, we were then put on the subway again, onto buses at night, and we were taken to where we were working. I had been in Manhattan and seen nothing. I, you know, I was so excited about seeing Manhattan. I saw absolutely nothing. And it's one of those moments if people said, have you been to New York? I could say, yeah, yeah, but I didn't see anything. You know, I, I don't feel like I experienced anything. It was kind of weird. I got called Randy. It was weird. You know, it was just the whole thing was odd. And then I worked, did my three months working in Philadelphia and then went up to New Hampshire with some friends. And then I came down to visit my friend who I'd been working with, Ed, and he lived in Brooklyn. And I remember coming in on the bus and again, because of the route it came in, you didn't really see anything. I got out at the bus stop. It was night. He met me and said, hey, Andrew, let's go down here. There's a great bagel place. And they'll be fresh right now. They'll be cooking them. Get, get in the car. Let's go down. We drove down. And then we turned around the corner. And there, right in front of us, was the Statue of Liberty. And it was that moment of, oh! <laughs> it's like I wasn't expecting to see it. I, didn't, I, I was suddenly... There it was in front of me, and I still remember the emotion of suddenly looking up and thinking, 
wow, that's the Statue of Liberty. It's there right in front of me. And it just got, took my breath away. Well, if you think how excited I was to see the Statue of Liberty, the person we're going to look at today was excited because they got to look in the face of Jesus. And actually, sometimes we need to remind ourselves how amazing, how awesome it is that we have met with Jesus, that we've seen him. It's more impressive than any Statue of Liberty, but it is amazing. People can know everything about Jesus, can have read the books, can have all the information, but can have actually never seen him. Just like I went to Manhattan, I knew what was in Manhattan. I could have told you what was there. I didn't see any of it on my first trip. Second trip, I saw it. And actually today, we're going to look at someone who was promised that they would meet and see Jesus. And actually, what's astonishing about this, this story is how many people have seen Jesus but hadn't seen Jesus. See, the Christmas story is full of those who see Jesus. You've got, you know, Mary and Joseph, obviously, they see him. You've got, you know, you've got the shepherds. They come down because the angels have told them that they see him. But actually, there are a lot of other people who see him but don't see him. So, for instance, he was circumcised. Aren't we grateful that doesn't happen anymore? It was great last week that actually you guys got baptized because that's the new circumcision. And I, you know, I think praise God for that. But anyway, kind of like, you know, let's just say I'm very, very thrilled that, you know, that anyway, we won't go there. But actually, he was circumcised. And when you think about this, Jesus, the line of David, promised into Bethlehem, was held by a priest in a synagogue who circumcised him because he was under law and fully lived the law, but didn't know who he was holding. Doesn't look and say, here is the Messiah, just says, he's another baby. Doesn't see what's in front of him. Doesn't see what is there right in front of him. Then you get that they go to the temple. They travel to Jerusalem, they come into the temple, and here comes the storm by the sounds of it. They go into the temple, and as they walk into the temple, you think, this is packed. It would have been heaving. The temple at that time, Herod's temple, was one of the go-to tourist attractions. It was in the Roman Empire. People would, thousands would travel to Jerusalem to see the temple. They would have gone. It would have been packed full of people. And Mary and Joseph walk in carrying Jesus. The, the, the teachers of the law who are talking and looking towards the Messiah would have seen this couple go past with a baby and we would have thought nothing of it. And then we've got the character we're about to meet today, who is definitely one of my favorite characters, and his name is Simeon. Luke 2, verse 22. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is of the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel or the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. 
And he came to the spirit into, into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs law, he took hold of him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all these people a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And the sword will pierce through your own soul also. So the thoughts for, my, for many hearts may be revealed. An extraordinary encounter of this man, Simeon. And what we first see is, here is Simeon, he's been a patient man. You know, the Spirit of God has said to him, you are going to see, oops, you are going to see the Christ. You are going to see him. You're, you're going to see the Messiah. That which was promised in Eden that at Eden, when Adam and Eve blow it, and suddenly even there, God says, out of the womb of woman will come one who will crush you and you'll bruise. The promise, this great promise that, you know, God is going to do something. And then you look through that whole of the Old Testament, those who are living with this promise, Abraham. Oh, you know, I always feel for Abraham, you know, what's your name, father of many nations? Oh, how many kids you got? None. You know, he kind of, he lived with this promise for years and years and years, being patient and then got a little bit impatient. And then the patience ultimately was rewarded. And anyone who's reading a Bible in the year will notice, actually, Abraham ends up with six children. But actually, kind of goes through and he's got all these promises and promises and promises. And then there's many things. You've got all the prophets looking towards one who's coming, one who's coming, one who's coming, the great one, the I am. And then you've got Simeon, who at some point in his life, hears God say, you're going to see that which I promised in Eden before you die. You're going to see it. Now, we don't know how long he's waited, but we know he's been patient. And that's hard, you know, I've got to be honest, I'm not sometimes the most patient person around. I, I like to think I am, but I, maybe I'm not, you know? I think the truth be told. So, for instance, on Friday, I realised our toaster wasn't working that well. It hasn't been working that well for a little while. But on Friday, I decided I'm going to repair this toaster. You'll be glad to know I actually unplugged it for once. So I actually unplugged it before... No, I didn't. My wife told me to. So I unplugged it and started working on it. And I was doing some work. And uh, no wonder I'm bald. And I repaired it. As a result, yesterday I had to go and buy a new toaster. <laughs> so I went to Tesco's. Me and Reese went down to Tesco's. And anyone who went to Tesco's yesterday, it was chaos. Like, it was... I have no idea what was going on. But we kind of drove in... And there was just this traffic jam. And there's this horrible moment, which is, I can't get out of this now. I'm here in the car park. We're stuck. I kind of found the only spot I could find. We then walk into Tesco's. We buy a toaster. We do some other shopping of stuff. Because I said to, said to Reese, well, we're here. We may as well make the most of it. Because let's wait and see if anything moves. We then go back to the car. And we can't even get out of the parking place. Because the traffic is just 
blum, 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 all over the place. And me, being a great man of patience, turns to Reese and says, come on, let's dump the car and walk home. <laughs> so, so we took the stuff, we walked up the hill, we walk in and walk back into the house. And you're there, sweating, exhausted, having carried, thinking, why do we buy all this shopping, you know, with the toaster and everything. And then a few hours later, I had to go back down to Tesco's, which was still in chaos, and eventually get the car back. I know I'm not that patient. But Simeon, we see here, is waiting patiently. Why? Because the Spirit of God has spoken to him. It's really interesting. Lots of people have looked at Jesus and not seen him. Simeon has looked at Jesus and seen him. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit's on him. The Holy Spirit is revealing to him, this is the Christ. He's lived with this promise, you're going to see him before you die. You almost get a sense, in, as he says, at last I can go to glory. You know, there's almost a sense of, I'm, I've been here for a long time, now I can go because I've seen him. He's looked, and when he's looked in the face of Jesus, it's better than seeing the Statue of Liberty. He's seeing the promise, the great I am, the God-man there in front of him, that salvation is before him. And suddenly he's moved and thinks, yes, 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 I'm seen him he's full of energy he's full of passion he's full of excitement why because the prophetic word in him is being fulfilled at that moment in time which was you will see the savior and he's thinking i've seen him and also he then goes on and starts saying the prophetic to the nations is being fulfilled the prophetic which has come right through Scripture is being fulfilled right now. The prophetic from the Garden of Eden, right through from all the, the prophets have spoken, Isaiah, David, all the prophets is being fulfilled here. It's fascinating. He didn't have to see Jesus' ministry, his death and resurrection. Why? Because the Spirit of God revealed to him at that moment in time who was before him. And it changed everything. He saw Jesus. Here's Simeon, a man of the Word of God and a man of the Spirit of God. See, the Spirit of God, sometimes we talk as though the Spirit only starts acting after Pentecost. But he's there through Scripture. Right at creation, he's the one brooding over creation. And as the, as the Son speaks, the Word of God speaks things into being, the Spirit makes it so. We then see the Spirit moving all the way through Scripture on particular times, on particular people, at particular settings, for, for particular purpose, all through Scripture. And then his activities definitely speeds up at the time of the birth of Jesus. We see an awful lot of him. And here is Simeon, full of the Spirit. Full of the Spirit. For what purpose? So he can see Jesus. And what's amazing is he holds Jesus and calls him the counsellor. Here is the counsellor of Israel. And what does Jesus say later? It is better for me to go to the Father so I can send another counsellor to you who will glorify me. What is the work of the Spirit? We see it here in Simeon so clearly. It's to glorify Jesus. So Simeon, full of the Spirit, a man of the Word, 
What does he see? He sees Jesus. So actually, what do we see the Spirit does? He reveals Jesus to us. How do any of us know that Jesus is real? The Spirit of God has revealed it to you. There was a moment I didn't believe in Jesus, and then I was dead in my trust and sins, and then Spirit of God, whoa, I've seen Jesus. It's like that moment turning around the corner. There's the Empire State Building. So there's the Statue of Liberty. suddenly seeing it. In the same way, there was a moment in our life where suddenly we saw Jesus. He reveals him to us. The Spirit then speaks to us. And in this room, there are a number of you who are living with promises. Some have been fulfilled. Others are yet to be fulfilled. And sometimes living with promise is really hard. I'd love not to have to live with it. I'd love to live with a promise for a day. You know, there's that moment of thinking, I just want this to... I found being engaged really difficult. He was like, I want, we've already promised to get married. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, why do you have to take so long? Why do we have to invite all these other people? You know, he's kind of like, we just want to get on with it. But there's that you're living with this promise of, come on. We've made a decision. And sometimes we're living with God has said something to us. And you're there thinking, well, get on with it then. I'm ready. And God's saying, no, you're not. Simeon had waited. We live with promise. The Spirit reminds us of promises. The Spirit of God gave us the Word of God. He brings glory to Jesus by giving us the Word of God. And as you know, John spoke the other week about the importance of the Word of God. Why is it important? Because the Spirit of God gave it to us. For what purpose? To reveal Jesus. And how else does the Spirit bring glory to Jesus? He works in our life to transform us to become more Christ-like. The fruit of the Spirit you see most evidently in Jesus in the same way he's working into you and me to produce that fruit so that we can bring glory to Jesus in everything we do. On top of that, because we are spirit-filled people, we hear God and sometimes you think, I think God's told me to do this. I was talking to Zach yesterday and Zach's only saying, you know, actually the plans he's got for next year are really rubbish plans for anyone trying to get into the film industry. You know, to stay in North Wales, to get involved in a church planting up in North Wales. That is not good planning if you want to get into the film industry. It's stupid. And, you know, as a parent, I ought to be saying, no, no, that's really not the way to go. You should go to London. That's where you should go. Or, or go to Mumbai. That seems to be the place to go. Or go, you know, kind of like, that's, this is how, what you should do. But why? Because actually Zach believes God's called him. The Spirit of God said, no, stay. Go to North Wales, plant a church, be involved in that. Why? Because that's what I've called you to do. Living with that voice. Why did last year, last January, we make the decision we were handing the church over to John and Heather? It wasn't because John and Heather were saying, get on with it. Come on. We've had enough of you oldies. Get out of the way. Come on, get off. You know. Actually, we've heard the Spirit of God say, there's other things for you to do now. Hand over, move on. And sometimes you do it and you think, Oh, have we heard God? Did we get that right? Sometimes you say, I don't know. But actually, you've got to trust the Spirit of God and walk in the good of it and say, yeah, actually, I, I, I believe we've heard God. This is what we're doing. Simeon had felt, I'm not going to die till I see God, till I see the Messiah. And suddenly, there he is, filled with the Spirit, looking upon Jesus. The Spirit led him to see Jesus. What do you want to see this year? What do you want to see this year? My prayer and my passion as I've been praying this week is I want to see more of Jesus. I want to see Jesus more 
in the people around me. I want to see Jesus more in the communities that I walk in and go into. I want to see Jesus more in my life and for me to reflect more of him. I want people to see Jesus. That's my passion. That's my desire. Just like Simeon there says, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Here's the challenge. We live in an incredibly complicated world and actually quite a frightening world and a world we can't fully understand. You know, even this morning I put the news on. There's the, you know, suddenly it looks like the USA and Iran might be going to war. Then you've got, you know, all that Russia are doing and then you've got all of what's going on in Israel and Gaza and you kind of sit there and think, oh, look at all of this. This is overwhelming. This is terrifying. Let's go back to Simeon. At that moment in time, in Jerusalem, there would have been plotters against the Roman Empire. There would have been terrorists at work to bring down the Roman Empire. At the same time in Rome, there would have been stories, of, let's invade this nation, let's go for this. There were big world events. And do you know what God was interested in? Simeon. I want you to go and see Jesus, my son. That's what God was interested in at that moment in time. That he'd made a promise to Simeon. And he was going to see that promise fulfilled. That promise was as important as the promise made in Eden, that one day one would come and bring salvation to all. The promises that God has made to you are his promises. They are as important as any promise that's in Scripture, because he's spoken it. I think, wow. So sometimes life is really confusing. This year has been really confusing. There have been a number of events which a number of you have walked through. And sometimes you sit and think, I don't understand this. Why is this happening? You know, on Friday, me and Liz were <coughs> at a Thanksgiving service of a friend of ours who was the son of a really close friend of ours. And he suddenly, in November, just dropped down dead with a heart attack or heart disease. He was kind of... In just in his late 30s, married to a girl who's got MS, and he was the main support, three young children, and he's gone. And you sit there at this Thanksgiving service, and you think, none of this makes sense. It doesn't make sense. It feels hopeless. And then, just after Christmas, another dear friend of mine went for a walk with his wife, Two newly adopted kids in Sheffield they go for a walk. He sees a lady collapse on the floor, so runs over to help the lady, and then a car is driven at 60 mile an hour into the crowd, killing him outright. And it makes the news. And I'm there suddenly one night just listening to the radio and I hear there's been someone killed in a, an incident in Sheffield. And I kind of, you kind of hear it and you don't think any of it. And then suddenly about two in the morning, I suddenly hear Chris's name. Chris Marriott. I was like, Chris? Surely it can't be. And it was. And you sit there and think, this doesn't make any sense. So what do you do in that situation? In Hebrews 2, it says this. Everything is subject to him. Yet at present, it doesn't feel like everything is subject to him. But we see Jesus. 
And the astonishing thing is this, that we live in this complex world where sometimes it's very obvious. Everything's under God's authority. I can see it. It's obvious. And then other times you think, nothing feels like it's under his authority. I'm very confused. How do I handle this? But we see Jesus. And actually, on that service, on Friday, what came out was Tom's faith in Jesus. That building was heaving full of people hearing about his faith and his love of Jesus. Up in Sheffield, the local community, Chris, who was just such a man who just did good and helped and cared, always in the background, just cared and cared. Suddenly, a local church decided they wanted to do something in their community to remember Chris by. So they put on this service. Over 400 people of local community turned up, walking in, including the Muslim counselor who was in tears, crying out, this doesn't make sense, I don't understand. And in the midst of it, Jesus was proclaimed. On the headlines... If you read the BBC headlines, it talks about his Christian faith, his love for Christ, how it shaped everything he did. We live in times where sometimes we don't understand what on earth's going on, but we see Jesus. And how do we see him? By being people of the Word of God and being full of the Holy Spirit. Because when you're full of the Spirit, the Spirit will say, There's Jesus. But this seems hopeless. This is horrible. There's Jesus. But this is awful. There's Jesus. You can see Jesus. You think that temple, full of the crowds and all the hustle and bustle, Simeon walks into it. He walks up and he walks to this couple, an older man and a younger woman with a baby. He walks up to them and he holds Jesus and says, here's the counsellor the salvation to the nations. And then he blesses Joseph and Mary and then looks at Mary and says words that must have been huge comfort to her 33 years later. And the words are this, a spear will go through your soul. And you think, what? What? How's that going to bring comfort? Can you imagine being Mary, looking at her son, dying on a cross, thinking, what was this all about? I'm confused. And then suddenly the spear goes in his side, and suddenly it's that, oh, I remember. Here in Jerusalem, Simeon, who looked at Jesus and said, here's the salvation, there is hope. Why? Because he, God, has spoken. God has said, therefore I've got hope. God's Spirit gives you hope in hopeless situations. And for Simeon this day, his great hope was, I will see Jesus. And he held him. He saw the fulfillment of the prophetic. And he went full of excitement. So what is the practical thing for this? Is this. I don't know about you, but I want to be full of the Spirit so I see Jesus. I want to be full of the Spirit so I bring glory to Jesus. And this year, I really want to see Jesus. I want to see him at work. I want to wake and be excited about the anticipation of what can happen. And let's face it, there will be moments where God will put us in situations where suddenly we're thinking, I've got to speak now. 
as if Jesus is present. I've got to speak now and bring that word. Lord, fill me afresh. I need you right now to help me into this situation. So if you're able to stand, let's just stand together. And uh, if everyone just shut your eyes. And if you just want to say, actually, this year, I just really want to see Jesus. <laughs> I want to see Jesus in others. I want to see Jesus in me. I want to see Jesus being reflected in all that I do. Why don't you just lift your hands? Say, here I am. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come afresh on us all this, this, this day. And Lord, excite us about what it is to see Jesus. What it is to be able to say, I know him, not as a baby, but as the great I am sat at the right hand of the Father, who will one day return as the judge of all creation. Lord, thank you that your, your spirit wants to bring glory to him. And Father, we ask, Holy Spirit, just refresh us, equip us, and help us, Lord. Lord, for us who are living with promises, thinking, I don't know how this works out, that we'd have comfort saying, but we can see Jesus. And in all of this, it will be fulfilled. Lord, I pray, God, we would live with that hope that actually if we fulfill the things you've given us to, it has massive repercussions in the whole of your kingdom. And Lord, I pray, give us strength and energy to walk in the good of what you've called us to do. So this week, help us see you in everything. In your wonderful name. Amen.